At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. It's time to check out TBR, Book Riot's subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. With TBR, you tell our professional book nerds, we call them bibliologists, about your likes and dislikes, whether you want comfort or stretch reads, and of course, what your reading goals are. And then you just sit back while they comb through your Goodreads account, if you have one, and handpick recommendations and must-reads just for you. TBR offers plans to receive three hardcover books in the mail or three recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. And the recommendations-only level is available worldwide. After each order, give your bibliologist feedback, update your request to stay in line with your reading goals and expanding horizons, and basically have your own personal book concierge. You can visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. Hello, hello, and welcome back to When in Romance, where we get to talk about a lot of stuff regarding romance novels, romance landia, romance writers, romance readers, romance things. I'm Jess. And I'm Trisha. And we are recording on Thursday, March 17th. I am wearing kind of teal green. I don't know about you. And I think that's it. Is that it? 2022. It is because we don't tell people. Yeah, we're episode 102. We don't tell people anymore. (laughs) We might still just because we care about it. I keep thinking something's missing. And that's what it is. It's not talking about episode numbers anymore. I mean, maybe we still will. It's fine. (laughs) I actually took off my I was wearing a a green sweatshirt and I took it off. But I am drinking a Guinness, a thing that I do once a year. And because I had to buy four, I will probably take the other three to my friend's house when I go there for dinner tomorrow. But I am very Irish, and so I feel bad about not wearing green. (laughs) It's fine. By the time you're all hearing this, St. Patrick's Day will be over. Yeah. St. Joseph's Day will be over. We'll have moved on into a new, you know, realm of March. (laughs) Speaking of March, Jess, you just did the Tucson Festival of Books. Is that, that's the official name, right? That is indeed the the official name. And you were both, I mean, you are always a major presence at the Tucson Festival of Books, but this time, in addition to being your normal major presence you were also a tucson do you guys call it t-fob yeah can i call it t-fob go <gasps> you for do? it go for it oh my god yes uh you were a t-fob author i was it was very strange i had like you know when you go to stuff like this you get like a little lanyard with a bunch of uh name tags and i had three because i was also a moderator and i'm on the the committee that like brings people in. So I, it was very weird. It's like, which one do I need? To, I'm like flipping it up and down, like moving it around. But um, it was very cool to be on the author side. I, I usually like my job because I coordinate the romance stuff there is usually to just follow romance authors around. But I also got to like be the person being followed around. So that was cool. Uh-huh. Also, and I mentioned this to you before we started recording, your autograph for when you sign your books is amazing. And even though I have, I think, actually multiple copies <laughs> of uh, your book, I actually want, I, I'm going to have to dig around and see where I can find that they're selling an autograph copy. Or maybe just send you one and send you money to send it back to me, autographed and ready to go. Absolutely. You can do that. I do know that... Um... Busboys and Poets might have some book plate copies, but it's not quite the same. So we'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But thank All you. Right. I'm so glad that I have a cool signature. It's very it's very awesome to hear. Um, and you thank you to those of you listeners who are in the air in the Tucson area or even I think one of you mentioned not being from Tucson, being from a little bit farther away and stopping by and saying hi and um, getting signed copies of the book. It was awesome to talk to people because, you know, 
I talked to Trisha and Trisha is amazing, but hers is the only voice I hear on the regular when it comes to when in romance. So very fair. Yeah, so it's not great. So it's awesome to like, see other faces that are like, I know what when in romance is, and I'm happily listening to it. Yay. I know what when in romance is, and I don't think it's the nail polish color (laughs) that for a while took over Instagram while I was following the when in romance hashtag that we created. Mm hmm. Well, that is all very exciting. I wish that I could say that we hadn't started with something super fun because we were going to have to go into a bunch of downer news. (laughs) But before we do that, Jess, why don't we do an ad spot? Yes. Many thanks to Book Riot Podcasts, multiples, for sponsoring this episode. If you love this show, you're bound to love many of our others. Check out our newest podcast, Adaptation Nation, for discussions of adaptations, both beloved and new. Subscribe to Red or Dead for updates on the world of mysteries and thrillers. Or download SFF Yeah for happenings and recommendations in sci-fi and fantasy. Don't miss Hey YA for excellent conversations about young adult lit. We've got a show for everyone. Just go to bookriot.com slash listen for a full list of all of our podcasts or simply type Book Riot in the search bar for your podcatcher of choice. It'll bring up the full stable. Your TBR and the podcast-shaped hole in your heart will be full. Happy listening. Hooray! And now back to our favorite Book Riot podcast, (laughs) When in Romance. (laughs) At least it's mine. I shouldn't say that for you, Jess. You have two now, so I I can't make any assumptions. Oh well, see, this one still has my my heart. It's just the little a little touch of it has been offered away. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. I actually am impressed that by the way, in my grand tradition of amazing transitions, I'm impressed that romance and the romance world can maintain such a big part of your heart, given how messy it is. <laughs> it's so messy. There's so much drama. And we've had, so we had book club on our last episode. We had um, our 100th episode spectacular before that. But uh, despite the fact that we have not had a chance to do much book related, romance related news lately, that doesn't mean it stopped happening. And it doesn't mean it all became good news. Some of it did. So we'll talk about that later because you did flag some of that for us. But oof, people are the worst. People are. And some of it's Authors not talking to the group chat before they decided to write something. Some of it is readers not talking to the group chat before they decide to respond to something. Some of it is authors just doing stuff they shouldn't even have to talk to the group chat about. Just they shouldn't have done it at all. Um, So there's there's a lot of stuff that's happened in the past few weeks. And um, the first one that happened, I did want to mention because it happened right before we talked about book club and I know we didn't we don't want to give you a full rundown of all of that stuff because that's just that's just too much negativity for your hopefully Monday morning. Yeah. But there was an a what is a good word? So after the Swoon Awards came out, there were a couple people who mentioned that there was an author who was recognized in two different categories who was a known, what's that, plagiarizer. Plagiarizer? <laughs> it's like, prejudizer, polarizer. Yeah. Oh, we'll get to those. <laughs> but first, we have someone who is accused of being a plagiarizer. And not only did she use other people's materials in her books, but... There was a voice actor named Eros who has a Patreon and a couple other things. And they, I don't, I don't remember what pronouns Eros uses. They mentioned that there was a whole section of one of Dana Eiley's books that were basically cribbed from their life. And it's not, it wasn't just, Happy Sunshine, it was like childhood sexual abuse, like really mm-hmm. bad stuff that not only she did she use in her own writing, but sexualized it, like hyper-sexualized it to a point where it was just like, I haven't read any of her books, but I'm guessing that she sways a little darker, but there is some darkness that you don't bring to your folks. I don't know. So anyway... You can read a little bit more about that or watch like I I learned a lot from Mariness on TikTok actually. But the 
coordinators of the Swoon Awards decided that they would not be offering Dana Eiley the awards that she ended up in first place for. And good for them because there didn't have to be any call outs. There didn't have to be any discourse. They just said, we're no longer giving this person the award. And that should always be how it is in an award situation in which someone has done something drastically wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's yes. (laughs) All of that. And I feel like one of the I know we don't want to like go into depth on all of these stories. It'll be just a very dark episode of What in Romance. But the TikTok that you mentioned by Marinus, you know, she mentions that the author is, you know, consulting with their legal counsel or whatever. And, you know, Marinus makes the point that like maybe what is illegal should not actually be the standard here, Mm -hmm. right? Like maybe that is not necessarily the point. And I think that's a really good reminder that sometimes... Yeah, maybe just sort of like being decent mm-hmm. is better. And actually, I think we saw, so we can come back to obviously any one of these. We saw another story that in, in included an author posting a blurb or a summary of their book. And pretty immediately, I think, getting called out for including ableist tropes. So this is, you may have heard about it. It's Cora Riley's, apparently it's a third book in the Sins of the Father series. It's called A Touch of Fate. And it's, you you can't even look for it anymore because she has pulled it for good reason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll, I'll link to a Mary Sue article where they talk about the fact that Oftentimes, if you are a traditionally published author, you cannot control the book summaries that get published, the book blurbs that get published. However, this one was Mm self-published. And I'm not going to go too far into it, but it is a uh, story about a woman who uses a wheelchair. That is not how she is described in the summary. Mm -hmm. I think there's like some kind of crime lord. There's just a lot of ableist sort of slurs and people, like I said, called it out pretty immediately. The author got very defensive very quickly, talked about how there would have been, you know, sensitivity readers or beta readers, but obviously there weren't. Mm -hmm. And she had published this blurb. So it's kind of, we talked before in the past about a decision, you know, to not, to write outside of your own experience and your own identity. That's not always a terrible idea. In this case, it was a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. Do we need more books that feature characters with disabilities? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously we do. Of course. But we don't need them from non-disabled writers if that is going to be how they approach disability representation. And I think, I, I don't know, I think all of these, and we'll, we'll talk about a few other examples, Jess, but I think a lot of these are discussions and conversations about how readers react to something, how authors react to something, what responsibilities there are out there, and In this case, it felt like the criticism was very valid and the author could have done herself a lot of favors and maybe, you know, gotten a little bit more credit if she had just sort of said, you are right, this was wrong, I should not have published it before it was read. Like, getting defensive in this kind of case, even though I'm sure it is very natural human reaction, Mm -hmm. does not help. And in the end, she rightly pulled the book but sort of felt very put upon about it. It was messy and uh, just kind of gross. It was just kind of gross. Yeah. And we saw, for some reason, I don't know if we were just all in the mood the past couple weeks, but we saw a few books that were just like, why? Why, like I said, why didn't you talk to the group chat? Why did someone buy this? Because one of those books is a romance between an American and a German POW in the 1940s that was bought at auction. At auction. There is a traditional publisher publishing this book. And then we talked about two romances featuring an enslaver. One, I got to question my own people because one of them was written by a Black woman about an enslaver who she called a billionaire and an enslaved woman. And another one was written not by a Black person about the daughter of a famed abolitionist and an enslaver. And it's like, can we just like, let's just leave the 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 1860s and 50s unless like you're Beverly Jenkins. Let's just like not go there anymore because (laughs) obviously- I'm willing to also allow Alyssa Cole. Alyssa Cole, yes. Uh, We'll, we'll, and occasionally- 
uh, other authors, Piper Hughley might write something in the future that yes. takes place in the 1850s and 60s. Yep. You know, there are a few. There is a small number, but apparently not a whole lot because we keep having to have these conversations. And sometimes the conversations are completely, I like, not out of nowhere, but sometimes there are conversations about books in which a portion of the audience is distressed by an action in the book taken by the author that is really not about the content. It's about the reader. And unfortunately, that happened to Jennifer L. Armentrout this week, who released the fourth book in her fantasy romance series. I haven't read it, but it seems like there are a lot of people, and it's not even a lot of people, There, there is a vocal minority who are very upset with the fact that a main character who is in a relationship with another main character at least has had sex in this book with a different character. And some people are like, absolutely not, JLA, I hate you now, I'm never reading your book again. And I mean, I guess they're allowed that, but they can't be in uproar because an author decided to have her characters go in a different direction than people expected. It's not like you you had her have sex with the Nazi, like the villain in the book yeah. or something like that. I don't know. Maybe she does. I haven't read this book, but it doesn't seem like from what I've read that this character is a bad person or an evil person. It just seems like he's not the other person. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the question is that it's not even so much about like the specifics of this book, because everyone was like, it's not that I hate, you know, a poly romance, or it's not that I don't want to see, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's just that this feels like such a betrayal and blah. So I will say there are, are different levels of criticism, right? And even setting aside this particular author, who you and I don't think really have much history or background with this particular series, which is called the Blood and Ash series, which again, I don't think either one of us have any particular history with. Mm -mm. I do think it has won at least one Goodreads Choice Award for romance. I think one of these books came out on top of that. Anyway, these have been wildly successful books by a very successful author. I think really kind of the more interesting conversation about this book is, you know, we were talking, you just gave a slew of examples about romance authors and publishers making terrible to questionable decisions. Mm -hmm. I think there's an interesting conversation to be had here about what an author does or does not owe their fan base. And also what is appropriate criticism versus what is toxic and even dangerous mm -hmm. criticism, right? Like if somebody wants to give The War of Two Queens, which is this Jennifer L. Amartrout book, one star, fine. Like, that's fine. But, like, tweeting or telling an author, like, your days are numbered mm. is not fine. Or doxing is not fine. Like, there is there is a way to be – you don't even – I don't think have to be, like, a thoughtful critic of a book, right? I think you can be a disappointed fan mm -hmm. without being abusive, right? Like, yeah. without being dangerous, and I don't feel like that line should be especially hard, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, like, this is true even for the authors who are writing Nazi romance, who are writing enslaver, enslaved romance, who are writing abolitionist enslaver romance. Like, what the heck? Like, true valid criticism of why are you doing this versus your days are numbered. And I haven't actually seen that happen on any of those responses, which is actually interesting, considering that is much more egregious to be offering to readers, ableist, evil, <laughs> um, terrible people romances, which do at least I have not seen. I apologize if that has happened to the authors, because even though you make questionable decisions, you still do not deserve death threats. Yeah. But so it's, it's interesting that something like the Armantrout book stemmed this response, I think, partly because it has gotten it has gotten so big, like it is a humongous series, thanks to things like TikTok and book Twitter and all of that. And so with every big follow, we'll see a huge range of responses to any book. But 
that range should not go that far in that direction. Yeah, and I think that's a big part of what all of this kind of what is bordering from like poor etiquette to like toxic and dangerous behavior. Mm -hmm. Like all of these stories that we are talking about involve someone missing the mark, Mm -hmm. which is a thing that can be excused. But when you miss the mark by so much, I don't think that you can expect people not to feel like that is an egregious and sometimes intentional decision, right? Mm -hmm. Like, again, do we need more representation of people who use wheelchairs? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This was absolutely not the wrong way way to do it. Do we need better representation in historical romance of people who are in crisis or who are, you know, in some other kind of horrific situation, also still experiencing love and joy and understanding that there is multiple dimensions of the human experience. Obviously, that has to be represented. However, not everybody should do it. And not every character should be represented because Nazi love stories are not love stories. Like, that's just not what we're about. Mm -hmm. Like, are people entitled to give a one star review and say, I am very disappointed. I've been very invested in this series. I was really looking forward to this book and I feel let down. Mm -hmm. Sure, by all means. But like, it's It's just, I think it's, you know, like, I picture that kind of, like, dartboard. And it's not that these people are missing the bullseye. It's that they're nowhere near the board. (laughs) Like, that dart ended up somehow in, like, the restroom. Mm -hmm. Like, it is so far off. And I think that's, you know, where, I don't know, I wonder, I guess, to sort of take us on maybe, maybe, maybe a more positive turn where I think you have an even better positive turn for us. But do you think just that as much as... This is all kind of terrible, and there is a lot of airing of dirty laundry. The fact that there is more dialogue around some of these things, right? Like, the more dialogue has generally, genuinely not helped the Jennifer Armentrout situation, right? Like, that is awful. Mm -hmm. But five years ago, ten years ago, it may not have been the case that an author who was seemingly, validly at least accused of plagiarism would have a reward, a reward, an award (laughs) taken away, right? It may not be the case that there would be a person using incredibly ableist language who finally made the decision not to publish a book. Like, do you think there is at least something to be said for an increased level of engagement? We've talked about this before, right? Like, Mm -hmm. is there something good about the TikTok dialogue? Is there something good about the Twitter dialogue that at least shines a bright light onto what previously was dark corners. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we've talked about sort of like how Romance Landia on social media and greater book talk and which, and I use book talk as like all of social media. I don't know how that happened, but wow. You've been on, tw- you've been on TikTok for like six months and you're like already, <laughs> you're all in. I love it. I love it. Um, how that has really like affected people and some of it is bad and some of it is good. And there's that weird murky middle where there are some formats that allow us to get real thought across and some where tone doesn't really get conveyed as well. And I think that there are things in all of the, all of the social media areas that, both help and hinder good discourse and helpful discourse and appropriate discourse about authors and their books. And it's, it's such, it's one of those, like, I could never get it, give it up, but goodness, do I hate it kind of situations. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it like, almost all of this, I at least would not have known anything about if not for social media, like mm-hmm. we, we discover a lot of stuff via social media. And yeah, there are amazing book bloggers and journalists and other types of people who are doing the work to pull things together in a more coherent, I don't want to say professional, but just like organized way. Mm-hmm. But there are also some people who will give you all of the information via a three minute video and they're just doing it really well so it's it's weird but i love it well and you managed to find some like some good examples like what is what is the what is the positive 
that exists out there in the world. Okay, so you know that energy that people put into writing out scathing one-star reviews for Jennifer L. Armentrout's book and writing to her on her other social media and all of that stuff. All of that passion for a book can go into something like Margot Hendricks's masterclass on Indigo. And I will say right now, Margot Hendricks is a contributor to Black Love Matters. Just a little transparency there, but that doesn't matter because she is amazing. Like I want to go back and watch this like three or four times. It's on YouTube. And she spends two hours breaking down Beverly Jenkins's Indigo by theme, by language, how race and beauty and history all come together. And okay, so she's a scholar. So she she can do that in a way that some of us can't. But it's just like, so much love and energy and joy went into that as opposed to taking all of that energy and pushing it in a negative direction towards something that isn't the amazing book that Indigo is. So there are people doing really great things. And there are authors who are doing things like sharing awesome covers of awesome books with what I hope are awesome fat male characters, because that's something that we have touched on, but like we we don't get enough of them. Um, So I am really looking forward to eventually reading or listening to all of those books someday in 2027 when I'm caught up. Hooray! Well, if I'm not mistaken, so I had not seen this link before you dropped it into our agenda, but is the Margot Hendricks Masterclass, it's like free, right? Like anybody can just watch it for two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, like you had to like register initially, but even that was free. You just had to like get there at, for me, 9am on a Saturday morning, which I missed the first like 20 minutes of it, but whatever. Um, it's available for anyone to watch now. So, well, we will link to that. I mean, we've talked a lot of times about how great Indigo is. So mm-hmm. that's amazing. And yeah, we will be watching for more covers. Yeah, maybe that'll be one of our upcoming episodes. We've talked about this before, but something around, you know, fat main characters and good representation. We're seeing it more with female characters than we are with male. I don't know that we're seeing it as much with non-binary characters either. But mm-hmm. anyway, we're getting there. Mm-hmm. And speaking of underrepresented characters, we have one of those categories for our recommendation segment. But before before I jump in to an ad spot in a transition to that, did is there anything we didn't cover on the do's and don'ts, the, the etiquette, uh, not being a jerk lessons of romance today that Anything we missed, Jess? Just be considerate. You don't have to be nice, but <laughs> you can you cannot be terrible. Yeah, I think you don't have to be nice is under appreciated advice. Mm-hmm. Like it, that's that's not the bar. It's not that you have to be nice. It's that you don't have to be terrible. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right. Well, before we get into, as promised. Uh, an underrepresented group in the romance world. First, I will tell you this. Did you know that Book Riot has over 25 newsletters covering every genre, as well as book news and deals? Sign up for book deals to get notified about the best book sales of the day, handpicked by our editorial staff. I actually buy a lot of those books all of the time. You should sign Mm -hmm. up for that. They're very affordable, and it's a great deal. There is Today in Books, summing up the most interesting literary headlines every day. The Riot Rundown, our roundup of the most exciting new content at Book Riot, or our new books exclamation point newsletter that compiles a list of the week's best new releases and comes to you every Tuesday, which, if you didn't know, is new release day in publishing, so it's going to be right on time. We also have newsletters for horror fans, romance readers, hint, hint, YA enthusiasts, <laughs> mystery thriller aficionados, and more. Just go to bookriot.com slash newsletters to sign up for whichever ones are most interesting to you. There's no limit. You can sign up for as many as you want. Bookriot.com slash newsletters. All right, Jess, let's turn this around. Let's find some additional happy news, some great books. Uh, this was actually, we had been talking about doing this set of recommendations and kind of this segment for a little while, but I think we got a couple of different requests around mm-hmm. this particular topic. Yes, we did. I want to say Danielle 
maybe might have sent an email and I know I can't remember the other person who requested it by name, but it's something that Trisha and I found exciting because it also means that we get to knock a read harder task off of our list. But it's Woo-hoo. also a group that, you know, we like, like you said, Trisha, they are a pretty underrepresented group in romance novels of all kinds. I know it was Danielle who sent us a note on Twitter. It may also have been Danielle who emailed us, but thank you as always. We love hearing from folks. And yes, today we are talking about older protagonists in romance. Yeah, it's, I don't think it's a topic that we have taken on explicitly. I do think we have talked about some books where at least one protagonist is over the age of 40, which is the read harder challenge for this Mm -hmm. particular episode or this particular year. I think I was aiming for books where both characters were over the age of 40, Mm -hmm. which is even harder. (laughs) But and you know, like it was, it was, I was digging a little bit deep, but I'm glad that I had the opportunity to do it. I found some stuff that I really liked. How about you? Same. I found one book where I'm re- actually not sure if both characters are over 40 because only one of them mentioned their age. <laughs> but <laughs> I like it. But I also kind of um, went exploring through the books that I already have to um, try to bring some stuff forward because as I have said before in other places, definitely, um, I can't remember if I've said it here, my Kindle is a deep hole of darkness and despair. And so when things go there, you never know if they're going to come back out. So I did a little bit of scrolling and found some stuff that I had been meaning to read for a while. So I'm really glad that we decided to talk about these because it means, yay, I got more books on my actual TBR read. Well, and let me, before we like jump into specific titles, Jess, do you have theories or thoughts at all about why older main character? And again, I, as someone who is very close to the age of 40, I don't feel like 40 is necessarily something we should be describing as older. However, the reality for romance is that it is. Like the vast, vast majority of characters that are featured, particularly in traditionally published romance novels, are Mm -hmm. below the age of 40. Many, many of them are below the age of 20. I think even that like sort of segment between 35 and 40 can be tough to find. So do you have like theories or thoughts about why that is? Well, like I know like... We have been seeing more in their 30s recently. I don't know what recently is, past few years, past 10 years, whatever. Um, and I think that's in part because the expectations for single people has pushed up as we realize that we can't afford to be in relationships mentally, physically, emotionally, anything else. At least not the HEA kind. Yeah. So like people, writers are actually acknowledging reality now, as opposed to like, every book being about the young, successful 20 something in New York who needs that one last accessory to her life in order to be in to have a perfect life. Like, we are no longer in that as the the goal for reading romance. It's we're looking more for verisimilitude. But also, I think that the reason that we haven't made it over 40 very often is that, at least in traditional publishing, I feel like traditional publishers think that people don't want to read about older people having sex. Like, Mm. I'm just going to, like, yeah, I, because, like, two of the three books that I read are, and the two, uh, these two are ones with significantly older characters, were self-published. And I can tell you that I have not read a traditionally published book with characters over mm, 55 or something. And even in that situation, I don't recall if they actually have on the page sex. And it was also like an attached story to a previous story about a younger couple. So I, I don't know, but I feel like there is some kind of squick in publishing because We've seen that readers, readers want it because we're all getting older and whether or not we're in relationships, we want to see more people like us. It's just like seeing more 
racial diversity, ethnic diversity, ability diversity, neurodiversity. We want to see age diversity because that's who we are as as a readership. But I think that there are still people who think that the readership doesn't want it. Yeah, and I think it's that that representation piece that that really strikes me as being a big part of this, right? I think there are a lot of people whose definition of happy ever after still is very exclusionary to a lot of people, mm-hmm. right? We've talked before and, and we can talk again another time about the lack of romance novels that address infertility and miscarriage that don't end mm-hmm. up with like a miracle baby at the end, right? Mm-hmm. That is not a part of everyone's happy ever after, even people who have struggled with infertility and miscarriages, right? There mm-hmm. are people who are divorced, who often are the subjects of these books with older characters who are widows or widowers. And they also, I, I don't know if there's a feeling that that is a population of people who can't possibly be having a happy ever after. Or, you know, I think mm-hmm. I think the the more and more we expand the definition of who is worthy of love and romance and a happy ending, the better off we'll be. It, actually, one of the books that I, it's the, it's the one of the three I hadn't finished. So I, I was going to wait to talk to about it at the end, but it fits <laughs> here. Um, I've been reading, I'm about 75% of the way through a book called At Your Service by Sandra Antonelli. And I do think this one is going to end with more of a happy for now, as opposed to an HEA, because it's the first in, I believe, a trilogy that all feature the same two characters. Mm. And it is a sort of James Bond style character, Major Kit, uh, who is secretly in love with his butler, who is a woman named May, who is a widow. Her husband died about 16 years ago. She is almost 50, I believe, and he's in his mid 40s. So mm-hmm. they're both well above the age of 40, thankfully. He has never been married. She was actually only married for a brief time. And this is kind of like a romantic suspense adventure mystery romance. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. It's kind of, it's a little bit bonkers, but it's great. Like it's, I'm hoping that the mystery will have like a satisfying ending. I don't know yet whether or not that there will be sex on the page. But like I said, I have, I've read enough. I checked enough of the Goodread reviews before mentioning it on this podcast to be confident that there is some kind of a happy ending. And I thought one of the really interesting things about this book is the fact that May, the the butler, who is sort of being framed for murder, but she actually did kill somebody with a toilet brush. <laughs> it was a whole thing. I'm not going to get into the details. She found out that her husband had left her a bunch of money. And of course, somebody then came after the money. It's a whole thing. Anyway, mm-hmm. she is still, despite the fact that she her husband died several years ago, she is still in love with him. And so there is an element of this story that's really interesting about how this couple can kind of potentially evolve into a couple, how these two people can become a couple when one of them is still in love with their late husband and the other knows that that person is still in love with their late husband, right? Like it's, mm. it's just a, I feel like that is the kind of conflict and tension that I've never seen anything like that in other romances, or at least nothing quite like this, you know, and I I just, it's such a really interesting thread to be following and to be kind of unraveling, that I, I wish there was more of that. I wish there was more, more like that. So anyway, that book is called At Your Service. It's by Sandra Antonelli. Again, disclaimer, I am, I'm not all the way through yet. But, oh, and also, I should tell you, it is, there is a lot of violence in this book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There is, you will see even in the summary, that there is a lot of murder, a lot of mayhem. So if that is not for you, maybe skip this one. But it is, um, so far, it is delightful. And like I said, I think it's exploring some themes that I have not seen elsewhere. Yeah, that's awesome. I've been meaning to read that book for a million years. And um, hopefully I will get to it within the next million years. I mean, yeah. But like you said, it's also self-published. Yeah. You know, keeping with the theme that you were saying that these just are not that common. Yeah. One book that I read that is traditionally published, but it's Karina Adores. So they kind of like break the mold a little bit anyway. And without the murdering mayhem and a little more of the cooking and cleaning. Sure. Is If if You Love Something by Jace Ellis. And it's the first book that I've picked up 
No, it's the first book that I've read by Jay Sellis. Although I own a few of her other books, and it was nice to see um, a few people sprinkled in that I recognized as characters from other books. But this is a second chance romance. And I loved it, which was mind boggling to me because I don't really read a lot of second chance romances. I had to make like a whole TikTok video, y'all. I like it's it was just like, why? I don't like second chance romances. But anyway, so if you love something, this is the one where I'm not sure if both characters are over 40 because only one of them mentions being 40. And I can't really tell from the talk discussion of their background, if they were the same age, if one was older, if one was younger. But so this one is about two men who are sort of living their own lives in in the DC area. They haven't, they were buried and they haven't talked for a while, but they both have a really close relationship with one of their grandmothers. Like she basically adopted him into the family. And even after they were like, we're getting a divorce, she still considers him her other grandson. So she, I'm going to give you a content warning now. This, the grandmother has some kind of cancer and has decided that she is no longer going to pursue treatment. So she wants to tell both of her grandsons that and also warn them that she is leaving each of them a portion of her property and that her son, who is a not a great person and would waste all of her money, would probably sue. So what happens is these two men who got divorced for various reasons, come together, but there is a twist. They never actually got divorced. Something happened with the paperwork. And uh, so they're still married, and they're just going to pretend that once they discovered that, that they were just going to try again so that they could present a united front, basically, against any potential legal action that Uncle Buddy would take. Uh, His name is not Uncle Buddy, but I can't remember what his name is. So that's that's the setup of the story. It was a very long setup. I am very sorry. But that that's what gets us to everything else that happens. Um, So two men thought they were divorced, actually still married. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? I have a feeling <sighs> I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can guess. <laughs> I th- I will say that too. I think people who are divorced is a big... I think it's interesting to see both people who have never been married or have never been seriously partnered. Mm-hmm. I think is an interesting way of representing older romance. But I also think there are a lot of people who got married maybe a little bit younger than they intended, or it just didn't work out, right? That happens mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, so the next book that I will talk about is called Something About You. It's by Reese Ryan. It is about uh, Lita and Trey, who meet in a bar, uh, you know, just happen to have like one of those moments where you glance across the room, connect with somebody. And, you know, uh, this this younger guy tries to hit on Lita and Trey walks him and he's like, Oh, hey, babe, you know, what's you know, does kind of like the sort of <laughs> rescue thing. And they're totally hitting it off. They are both there to meet. He is there to meet his son. She is there to meet her daughter. Spoiler alert, turns out the daughter and son are together and show up together. And they're <laughs> like 20 and 21. They are college students. And both parents find out in that moment that they are not only engaged, they are expecting a baby. Oh, man. Yeah. So it's like this one actually, it moves pretty quickly. It's not terribly long. It's maybe like 150, 200 pages, something like that. And it all takes place over the course of about a month. I, I will tell you, this is one of those books that made me realize that I am uh, more of an older main character in romance than a younger one. Because instead of being like, why don't their parents trust them to do what they want? I was like, they are so young. What are they going to do? Are they going to drop out of college? What's going to happen? So anyway, there's a lot of chemistry between these two characters. Like I said, it's it's a pretty quick read. It's, you know, sort of one of those, it's, it's not quite like a Harlequin style, but it, it has some of those kind of elements where, you know, there's, there's certain tropes and certain stuff that you expect and that you see. But this one, it does have sex on the page. It, it Yeah, it's there's like I said, there's a ton of chemistry between these two people, you can tell immediately that 
both of them are really good parents, but in some ways it feels like Lita is making more mistakes than Trey, which is not always the case, right? Like there's these tropes of like, well, men don't know how to do anything and women are great at it all the time. So mm. I don't know. I thought it was just a very, um, you know, it was an interesting adventure to see these two people who have just found out that they're about to be grandparents falling in love. <laughs> so again, that's something about you by Reese Ryan. And speaking of getting married way too early, The Wedding Bait by Adele Buck, which is actually, once upon a time, I wrote a whole thing about why we need romances with older characters. And she hadn't announced the book yet. She had just done like an AITA quick tweet about sort of the premise. And I was like, I don't know when this is coming out, but I want it. And um, she sent it to me. But (laughs) so (laughs) The Wedding Bait by Adele Buck, you could read this with Hannah Waddingham in your mind's eye as the main character. A slightly older Hannah Waddingham. I think she's in her mid-50s. But her daughter is getting married and she discovers that her ex-husband will be at the wedding. Neither her or her daughter expected the man to show up. His name is even Anthony Head, like, or maybe Anthony Stewart, but like Yeah, if you watch Ted Lasso, you get that reference. So her BFF is like, well, why don't we get you an escort? And she's like, I am too old for that kind of thing. And it turns out that the person her friend has in mind is a retired escort who is old enough to appear to be a significant other. So after some... Well, she won't she? She decides to go ahead and bring him along to the location where everybody's staying for a couple days for the wedding. And it's just, it's really, it's really short and really sweet. And it's really cute. Like, those are all the important reallys, right? And it, it's definitely got, like, these characters are older. They have feelings, thoughts, and needs of older people, but those feelings, thoughts, and needs are the same as anybody else. And no matter how old you are, you as a reader will connect to that. So I thought that was that was really, really great. And I just love the two of the characters together. And my only problem with this book was how long it was. And I just want a whole series of the two of them just going on adventures or something. Aww. And for those who weren't keeping track, Hannah Waddingham plays Rebecca on Ted Lasso. Yes. Just in case you don't happen to know all of the actress names by heart, like some of us might. Who knows? (laughs) Who knows? Uh, Also, someday we're going to have to do an episode about how the real pairing, the real like sort of true love pairing in Ted Lasso is not actually Roy and Keeley. It is uh, Higgins and his wife. That's a whole other... (laughs) Speaking of older couples who are in love. Anyway, speaking of, you were talking before about how the fact that a lot of the romances that you read with older characters are sort of built upon other existing series. And I acknowledge that that is true. I also will say we've recommended on this podcast a couple of those before, one several times and one I think just a couple of times. And I think both can be read as a standalone. And even though it would be ideal if... Older main characters got all of their own series. I'm going to recommend these ones anyway because they could both be standalones. The first is a book called Autumn by Cole McCade that we have not talked about quite as much, but it's an older couple. Uh, One is at least in his, I want to say like one's in his 50s. The other is maybe knocking on 50, but it is two sort of, I, I saw someone describe it as a enemies to friends to lovers romance. And I think that's 100% true. There's also some sort of like, grumpy sunshine elements to mm. it. Wally is is and has been in love with his brother-in-law for many, many years. The problem is, Wally is also part of the reason that this brother-in-law, Joseph's daughter, got kidnapped. She's fine. It's a whole thing. You know, you don't really need to get too far into that. But there's just, it's like a, it's kind of a slow romance. It's a very gentle romance. It is kind of this unrequited love starts to turn requited kind of a romance. Joseph is also dealing with um, multiple sclerosis. So like the chronic illness is another aspect of this that I think is is underrepresented. And it's a deeply, deeply emotional and character-driven romance, less sort of plot-heavy than some of the others. Um, but I think that's 
kind of that can happen a little more easily if you're dealing with older characters. There's just a lot more history and a lot more life experience. And since we've talked about that one before, I won't go too, too far into it. But that's Autumn by Cole McCade. It is part of a series, but it can also certainly be stood alone, standalone. It can stand alone. Mm -hmm. There we go. And the other one that I'll just give a quick mention to, because we've talked about it a million times before, is Mrs. Martin's Incomparable Adventure Adventure by Courtney Milan. It is a delightful story about a widow who cannot stand her nephew and the unmarried, unwidowed 69-year-old whose life is being ruined by said nephew. And I think the author's note here says it all. Courtney Milan's author's note says, sometimes I write villains who are subtle and nuanced. This is not one of those times. The terrible (laughs) nephew is terrible, and terrible things happen to him. Sometimes villains really are bad and wrong, and sometimes we want them to suffer a lot of consequences. And that's what happens in the story. So again, even though we've talked about it a bunch, if you haven't read Mrs. Martin's Incomparable Adventure by Courtney Milan, that is definitely one to pick up as well. And if you have read it and you want more older lady shenanigans, I guess, Second Wind by Celie Simkiss is definitely something you probably want to try. It is a contemporary romance as opposed to Mrs. Martin, but it features two women, both over 70, who were childhood friends and one of them moved away when they were 13 and they run into each other on a flight to Glasgow. I think it's Glasgow. It's a flight. It's important. It's it, it's a flight to Europe. So they spend a lot of time on said flight together. And one of them is um, taking her late husband's ashes to be scattered in a place that they both loved. And the other one is taking a puppy to be trained to be a service animal for a, a young child. And it turns out that they are going to the same place. So they get to spend a little more time getting to know each other and just sort of revisiting things that happened in the past and that kind of thing. And it's also pretty short and very quick, low angst. There is some, but it's not like the trauma that could come from a story like this. So that is Second Wind by Celie Simkis, and it is an, a good additional alternative to Mrs. Martin, if you've read it already. Hooray! And we will link to, um, we do, as Jess mentioned, she wrote a post on this. I think we've got, I mean, you. I'm sure that you subscribed to the newsletter for Read Harder. So I'm sure you've already gotten the uh, post that Annika B. Klein did about older romance protagonists, but we will try to read, we'll try to link to it so you can read it. Clearly, we've reached the end of the show. (laughs) Uh, Huge thanks to our wonderful audio editor, Jen Zink. Please, please, please do rate and review the podcast. It really does help people find us, find older main characters, find romance (laughs) news and etc. So yeah, that would be great. You can also find us as always. As Jess mentioned, this post was partially inspired by someone who found us. Um, You can find us as always on email at whenandromance at bookriot.com. You can find me on Instagram at Trisha Haley Brown. And you can find me on Twitter at Justice Reading, all one word. Instagram at just underscore is underscore reading. And because we talked about it enough that y'all know that I'm on TikTok. Yay! Just underscore is reading because the other two were taken. <laughs> <laughs> so. I think that's it. In the meantime... Thank you all for listening and happy reading. <laughs>